welcome to the Passionate DJ Podcast, where it's all about becoming a better DJ through passion and purpose. And now, your host, David Michael. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Passionate DJ Podcast. I'm your host, David Michael, and I'm sitting next to Mr. Mo Dingo. How are you doing? I am well. How are you, sir? I'm doing fantastic. Right next to you is Mr. Trip Turlington. Welcome back. Yeah, they finally let me out, guys. Again. Yes. <laughs> and today we're talking about promotion, so next to Mr. Turlington is Jaw Rule. How are you doing, Jaw? <laughs> you got Tony Fire, fire, fire. <laughs> what up, baby? <laughs> Got tickets, fifteen hun. <laughs> Where would I be without you? Too soon, too soon. <laughs> too soon? Yeah. yeah. Oh, Mr. Tony DeSero. Good what to up? see you, man. Good to see you, man. Uh, so like I said, we are going to spend a whole episode just talking about promotions, event promotions, because we've had a lot of requests for this. Yeah. I know Mo, you've taken several. Yeah, we have had several people reach out uh, just on the page, just saying, Hey, can we talk about some promotion one oh one or just some basics, you know, things to look out for, you know, maybe some blind spots that people aren't aware of and who better within the room to talk about it than Tony D himself? Yes, sir. Yep. Uh, before we jump right into that, we've got a lot of content today, I think, but I do want to take a couple of quick voicemails that have to do with our Mixing the Blues Away episode. Hey, guys, it's Brian K. James of Dive Boots and Music, Philadelphia area. Also, uh, the DJ behind the Buddha Beats podcast. Uh, whenever I'm having a rough patch or going through anything kind of stressful, um, I will go downstairs and get on my turntables, my controllers, or my uh, CDJs and just rock out. Um, it does help tremendously. Um, helps take you out of the headspace of whatever is going on, and I just make myself focus on something else. And it doesn't take long, but once I'm there, uh, you know, I start getting into the zone, and then. I put myself, you know, in in the booth at a club someplace and just get happy about what I'm doing. Um, it helps so much, you wouldn't believe. Um, I could sincerely say that because of those kinds of moments, uh, going downstairs and getting on the decks was definitely a way to, you know, get rid of the stress. Uh, or working on Ableton and, and working in music on my computer here. Uh, that's definitely a big help. What's up, fellas? This is Pace, the DJ, out in Los Angeles. And mixing house music, deep house music, puts me in a zone, a state of euphoria that I fall into immediately. I I can also extend the idea of just listening to a mix of anybody's mix that I'm enjoying also puts me in this zone euphoria where it is just happiness that flows over my body and my mind and I'm in a at a good state of being when I'm in the zone listening or mixing house music it just it doesn't get any better than that so that's my example of mixing the blues away no matter where I'm at if I'm in the zone and house music is playing I'm feeling good. What's up, guys? DJ Filthy D. Just like to uh, tell you a quick story about uh, how DJ saved my life. I was down a bad road with a lot of drugs and alcohol abuse. 
And when I found House Music, I was captivated probably within about two to three seconds. From then, I figured, uh, why spend money and waste all that negative time when I could buy DJ equipment, records, et cetera, et cetera. Since then, that's all I do. I take all negative energy, money, time, put it into the music, and that's pretty much what keeps me grounded day by day. So as you can probably think, uh, I'd say a DJ saved my life, and I hope to maybe save one one day too. Nice. That's that's money right there. And how cool is that? Yeah. I mean, that that's some great feedback. We got a lot of great voicemails, emails, uh, comments on our various social media channels from people who really resonated with our with our two parter about mixing the blues away. And I thought that was really cool, especially that last one, where you know this this literally was a lifesaver for for him. Right. Um, that's just that's super cool. Um, Trip, I'm sorry that you missed those episodes. Um, is that something that you do? We didn't get to, to ask you. Uh, just go to your decks to to mix just for the decompression factor or the stress relief or uh, depression or whatever it is. Unfortunately, my my current schedule and you know with everything going on with where I'm at in life right now, I don't get to get in here as often as I'd like to. Mm. Um, but all of that, I totally relate to all of that. Like, yeah. Yeah, I mean. You know, having played a bunch of different roles in the scene, and and having been a different a bunch of different places, and and you know both good and bad, and you know DJing was always that constant that, you know, you know I think I've mentioned it before. You know, we used to have a saying years ago that the average lifespan of a raver is like about two years, right? And <laughs> you know the the scene was constantly at one point, you know, just constantly revitalizing itself. You know, some kids would fall out, and new kids would fall in. But, you know, there's this core group of us that have, you know, really stuck with this thing for decades, you know, some maybe odd decade and others a couple of decades and, you know, and then all of us in between. So it, spinning records, tracks, making music and all of that stuff, you know, it transcends the party, you know, that's mm. that's the thing that, that keeps us coming back to it. And, uh, you know, that's one of the reasons I've never gotten rid of my equipment. That's why I've never, you know, stopped playing shows, you know, uh, you know, I'm coming up on 40 years old and, you know, I have no plans of stopping. Like, you know, I, I still love getting behind, you know, the decks at a show. I still like getting in behind the decks here. It's something I want to pass on to my kids and, you know, and all that stuff. So, like, yeah, it, as as life, you know, starts to allow me a little <laughs> bit more freedom, then I'm, I absolutely look forward to getting back in here and making music and playing music and all of that stuff. Because it is, it's, it's, it's therapeutic. Yeah, I can absolutely relate to that, uh, you know, trying to wedge it in into your lifestyle you right. know, and, and and not even your lifestyle just wedging it into your everyday life whatever that throws at you you know it, it becomes it's one of those things that's easy to back burner because it's it's quote unquote not important right it's not as important as paying your power bill or whatever you know so <laughs> right it's easy to back burner it but then i know personally when i do that for for too long i i feel that loss you know like man i have not done this in a while, in a while. it's right. killing absolutely. me absolutely i feel that right now for for production i think i've probably been complaining about how much time i've not been spending in the studio for the entire lifespan of this podcast i mean it's it's and it sucks i hate it <laughs> right, right. yeah <laughs> but, it's definitely something we've talked about before yeah. for sure 
and I'm and I'm feeling that more and more. You know, yeah. it, uh, you know, I, like I told you guys, you know, I'm actually taking a step back from school so that I can make mm. more time for DJing, for making uh, music and and fence and all beers that, and fence beers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, disclaimer: stay in stay in school, kids. We're not, <laughs> right, in, right, right. We're not telling you to quit to pursue I, your DJing. Yeah, I didn't say I was quitting. I, said <laughs> I was taking a step Bottom back. back yeah. <laughs> yeah, instead of a full load, I'm just taking a couple of classes this semester. So. <laughs> Well, I'm glad, man, because I, I think I know that we've had several conversations about this where we've just been running it like 150 percent for yeah. for too long, you know. Yeah, and yeah. I think we all run into that here and there. And so, yeah, getting back to living. Right. Well, I mean, <laughs> and like you know, I mean, it's it's so important to recharge too. So, however you do that, you know, whether it yeah. is, you know, whenever you're you're using. Uh, you know, DJing to help you get through some kind of a problem or whatever. You know, there's other things to do too. Like, you know, we just, my family and I, we just got back from vacation. And I'm telling you, I typically don't ever take a vacation this early in the year. I usually save up all of my vacation time and go way later in the year. Um, but like, it was right on time. It, I mm. needed it. Mm-hmm. Good. <laughs> it was right on time. I come back and now I feel refreshed, recharged, and just, you know, generally happier <laughs> oh good i've got this huge passionate dj to-do list <laughs> let's talk after the show <laughs> exactly exactly i did actually uh turn a couple people onto the past two episodes like within my work circles because uh one thing especially with the organization i work with you know depression is like a real thing right because yeah. you know we work you know 90 miles an hour all day every day so it's something that kind of manifests itself and i actually told a couple people I was like hey you know I'm part of this show why don't you check this out because we talk about things and how we use as far as coping mechanisms and when to get some feedback from those people but the people I reached out to were like music people yeah, yeah so right, right. I'm hoping that they'll find some sort of connection and the stuff that we covered awesome. the past two episodes yeah yeah very cool so Ja <laughs> <laughs> where would I be without where you <laughs> murder so we want to talk about just Kind of almost a promoting 101, like from start to finish, how does one even go about planning and throwing a show? Call Jaw Rule. You yeah. call Jaw and say, hey, man. <laughs> have, have you guys talked about that yet? I mean, before. Not, not really. Um, I, I had uh. set aside some tweets and then uh, it was in the episode that got messed up in the audio and I forgot about it anyway. And then I, by then it was like, I ah, forget it. Yeah. So, I mean, not to spend any ridiculous amount of time on it, but just so that, you know, people get the joke, Sure. you know, go ahead and Google fire festival. Where, where were they trying to do that? Fire with a Y. Yeah. Fire uh, with a Y. F Y R E. Was it Puerto Rico? Bahamas. Bahamas. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, Ja Rule was one of the promoters and some uh, fire entertainment. It was was the production company behind it. And uh, yeah, the link should still be up on our Facebook page. Yeah, yeah. So definitely go and check it, it just out. Just goes to prove that even how big your name is and how much of a superstar you are, it doesn't mean you can throw a show. Doesn't mean you can throw a show or a right. festival. Things can go very, very, very bad, <clears throat> very, very, very quick. I mean, you you look at pictures and videos from from that. Um, whatever it was <laughs> debacle and incident yeah the, debacle. the incident and you just see rows and rows of white tents i mean it literally looks like a prison camp right like if you ever watch uh those like prison uh lock up and those yeah, kind of yeah, shows yeah, and yeah. they show you the the, the desert prison camp, camps yeah. in maricopa county yeah, and yeah. all this stuff yeah. like, it looked like that but it was supposed to be a 1500 a ticket festival <laughs> 
and there was like no food, no water. People were complaining they were stranded on the island. It was just insane. Yeah, yeah. So, with that in mind, yeah. <laughs> so how do we not do yeah, all? Yeah, how that? do we avoid? That? Yeah, how do we avoid that, Tony? <laughs> We're all here. Now, we're starting out talking about a festival, but I should say, I think starting out, we're going to approach this like it's a one-off kind of club show, right? And then we'll talk about festivals here at the end. So I am um, much less experienced in the promotion. I'm like small time when it comes to that. So I'm kind of deferring to Tony and Tripp for this one. I kind of, Tony's running point. He's, I know he's got a list of stuff he wants to talk about. So um, you guys are going to be in charge. I'm going to sit back as much as I can on this one. Yeah, and I'll I'm going to try to learn. Yeah, I was going to say I'll augment uh, as best I can with uh, with my. Uh, well, you have lots of history in it. Yeah, Absolutely. yeah. It, things not have much. Yeah, things not have much changed. has changed, but some things. Yeah, have right, right, right. Sure. Yeah, so um, yeah, I, throw, I throw one every year or two, so it's not a big deal for me. So um, the first thing that I can start with, and I, I think we can both agree, really, is researching the date. Yep. Um, and what I mean by researching the date is um, making sure no other promoters in your city, um, if it's a small city like Dayton, you know, we'll, we're just going to base it off of Dayton area, Cincinnati, because we're all within an hour of each other. Um, <clears throat> just make sure that, you know, any other promoters within those genres are not throwing a show on the same date. Um, and we've talked about like building your network on the yeah. show before. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if if this is your first time you've never thrown a show before, that sort of thing, you know, then it, it at least helps to have your finger on the pulse of what's happening in your own town. But if you if you've been established at all, or it, once you start, you know, getting established and you start making those kinds of connections, then you know, just as something as simple as a phone call, there, you know, we've we've got a couple of like even Facebook groups mm-hmm. now where it's like, you know, hey, here's a bunch of promoters within a certain you know radius. Hey, who's doing what on what dates? You know that sort of thing. So you know those resources are out there. And I don't want to jump the gun on this if you already plan on talking about it, but in scenarios like that where you have a, a group of promoters talking, whether it's in a Facebook group or something like that, do you have you guys found that to be effective or are, has has it been problematic? Do you depends have, on the promoter? Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah, I mean, was, is it usually like one, one bad apple spoils a bunch kind of thing, or is it usually just one guy and you ignore him, or how does, how does it work? Typically, yeah, I was gonna say in my experience, it's been one one guy and you ignore him, or a couple of people because they're just lone wolves and they don't give a shit what you're doing or what mm-hmm. anybody else is doing. They're only in it for themselves, or they've already you know, got plans and, you know, nobody's going to thwart that, you know, or whatever. Okay. They're far less collaborative, but at least then you're aware of it. Right. But that bleeds over into other areas because in fitness, like with the CrossFit stuff, I help promote events. And that's one of the things we do is we have like a Facebook group and we try and deconflict, but there's always that one or two sets of individuals that just like they're doing their own thing. And, you know, we collectively try and just kind of like push them off the side. We're like, all right, whatever. Yeah. When anything becomes the popular thing or... <clears throat> um, kind of like shows, events, you know, because for a while there weren't any events going on. Right. And as more events started happening, more and more people started coming out. And it's just like, it's in any type of typical business, people start to see, you know, the business kind of influx and everybody kind of wants to jump on board and start doing the same thing. So then competition comes in and that's that's when you really have to start reaching out to each other because now everybody's wanting to do it or... You know, and you just don't want to compete against each other because yeah, even how do we all coexist here, right? Right, because even even if um, you know such and such wants to throw a party, we want to throw a party, and it doesn't matter. We're both hurting each other because if 
we're relying on a hundred people and you know even 20 of those hundred that we're relying on goes to a different party somewhere else sure it's only 20 people but you know the other promoter or the other event coordinator is relying on those 20 people yeah you know yep when you say research the date um you're kind of talking about the the local scenario what about bringing somebody in who has a very strict schedule that's um that's when when you're are you talking about talent yes okay um well first and foremost sometimes when you go to i'll, I'll say our us is three-dimensional um when we go to when we lock our date in and we say, okay, the venue's available, okay, we research our date, we find out the venue's available, then we start talking about artist. Is there a specific artist that we want, or is there an agent that has a list of 20 artists, and we go to that agent and say, hey, this is the date that we're shooting for, who do you have available? And then okay. they'll send us a list, and then we'll go through that list. And so three-dimensional tends to start from the date, not yes. from the artist. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have artists in mind. Don't get me wrong, but sure. I don't. Yeah, <laughs> you know, it, it I should clarify. Right, right. But there's also another scenario. Um, if an agent comes to us, you know, and says, "Hey, we have such and such on this date. Would you like this person?" You know, now we're kind of working from the middle, okay. Instead of you know going to the venue, because if it's somebody like Sasha, for example, we just did Sasha, and. An agent comes to us and says, hey, we have Sasha that's wanting to do this date. It works perfectly with routing. Can you guys do it? You know, absolutely, we want to do it. And then if somebody, yeah, but if somebody else has something going on that time, then we'll go to them. And if it's a smaller event, you know, the promoters that are doing the events will say, hey, absolutely. You know, if they're cool, they're willing to work with us because their event's a little bit smaller. Sometimes we'll bring the event together. But for for the most part, they'll hand us the date because you know you're not going to get that probably ever again. Mm. You know, so. And just as a side note, you said um, that sometimes you have to work with the the routing of the DJ just mm-hmm. to to drop on that for a second. You're talking about where the DJ is physically going to be in the on the globe right at that moment mm-hmm. where he's he-, he or she is headed yep. after before and after your stop. Yep. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> so we researched the date, mm-hmm. and so. Um, then I mean, do you? Because then you've got you've got to line it up too. So you've got the the date worked out with the venue and the the locals and everything, and mm-hmm. then you've you've matched an artist. Is that where you go next? Is matching the artist, or is that is, are we not even there yet? No, that's I mean that's kind of our next step is okay. to reach out to the agent. You know, because there's there's a lot of scenarios as well when you're picking the date, and especially if you're relying on. Uh, college being in at that time or out mm. uh, finals um, weather holidays holiday yeah okay. all that stuff plays a role big in, travel holidays it. like yeah. Labor Day oh, yeah. and Memorial Day <clears throat> mm-hmm. or I'd imagine you kind of want to steer away from the end of the year because people are focusing their their budgets towards like Christmas and New Year's and mm-hmm. all that stuff as well mm-hmm. except, for the, except for the day after sort Thanksgiving of. yeah party yeah. <laughs> really uh, or, or the, the day, day before, before right? yeah. or day I'm before. sorry yeah. Yeah. I know for college I know for bars when I used to be a bartender that was one of our busiest nights was the day before Thanksgiving yeah it's the biggest yeah, that's, club that's night of the year but I mean the way it works now with a lot of the clubs 
They don't want to do anything special because they already know the club's going to be packed. They don't need to spend They're already gonna get extra money, money yeah. to... It's like a freebie. Yeah, right. you know. But, I mean, Baba Dob uh, in Cincinnati, yeah. I mean, shout out to him. I mean, he's one of the uh, original Cincinnati rave icons. Like, I mean, he was throwing parties since the 90s and... You know, and just really pioneering everything from the house music and raves and club head records and all of that stuff. Um, and he's been what 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 is he up to with Gobble now? Like twenty something? Yeah, it's in the twenties. Yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. you know, twenty plus years of of the day before Thanksgiving. Oh, I mean, a pretty I, nasty show. Oh, mm-hmm. I, I I've spent many a Thanksgiving day going. Yeah. Oh <laughs> man, that party was good. <laughs> Damn it, Baba <laughs> Damn it, Baba like, I'll see you next year. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so yeah, it, but to Tony's point, yeah, I mean that, like, especially with us and in the groove too, like that was always, it, you know, you have to take all of those types of things into consideration, especially when you're in a college town, especially when, you know, you're in a, in a market that has like a limited qu- quantity of people that, you know, can easily be swayed one way or another, you know, especially back, you know, I, I hate reaching back to like you know, the nineties and, and early two thousands, but you know, things were easily clicky back then. You know, there were, you know, uh, promotion crews that like went head to head over, you know, silly arguments between the, the leaders or whatever. And then, you know, so when one throws a party, the other one's throwing a renegade and now you're trying to split, you know, 2000, 3000 ravers and everybody's trying to break even, you know? So like, and, and that's back when we were doing like what, three, four, five national and or international headliners at one, at, at one show. Yeah. Right. Yes. For twenty dollars. So <laughs> back twenty five. But I mean, <laughs> so back then Boy, for when me, I build that time machine. <laughs> five dollars off of the can good. That's right. That's right. That's right. Back well, then philanthropy. Yeah, we did, yeah. And and yeah, clothes for the homeless, all that stuff. Nice. Yeah. To do all that stuff. Yeah. Well, homeless went around with Jinkos and <laughs> <laughs> So back then for me, well I guess not back then, it's early two thousands. Yeah. Um, for me, it was I was really into. Well, I still am really into car stuff. Sure. Um, but w- way back in the day, <laughs> before Passionate DJ was a gleam in my eye, right? Um, I had a a buddy and I ran a. I wouldn't call it a car club. It was a kind of a local car community. It was a web forum okay. kind of thing. Yeah. And it was the same way. It was like there were a couple other ones, and they all wanted to like posse up and mm-hmm. like bicker amongst themselves and then like try to throw cruise ins on the same nights and it was just like th- that same kind of drama i think carries over into, into just any, about any anything area. Yeah. Yeah. Right, right. i hear the model train industry is ruthless <laughs> son <laughs> scrapbooking son <laughs> some of the worst trauma i've ever seen in my life <laughs> from a scrapbooking throwdown <laughs> They don't mess around. Yeah, right? <laughs> months and months of therapy after that. <laughs> PassionateScrapping.com. <laughs> well, so with our location, I think one of the unique positions about us is we're located between Cincinnati and Columbus, mm-hmm. but we don't really have any specific draws to us here, like a professional sports team or like some huge nasty venue. I mean, Mask is awesome, but it's not like a palladium or something like that. Right. Do you think that kind of helps in our particular um, area? Um, it's from who? No, as from far who? as like being able to say, I'm putting this show on with this artist and get that kind of draw because there's 
not a whole lot going on in Dayton. Oh, we, we can pull, uh, get gravitational pull yeah. from the other cities. <laughs> just from, just from, yeah, because we're so close. Yeah, yeah absolutely. A lot of our pull, a lot of our pull actually is from other cities. Yeah, we have a, a smaller local um, support. I mean, we have a great support system here, but the the people that come to our shows here, it's, I mean, it's the small. numbers are very, very small yeah. compared to the people that do come from Columbus and Cincinnati and and ND. And and it's and it's been recent for us that mm-hmm. that that's been the case again mm-hmm. you know because that used to be the pull for dayton like even yeah that's you know, new for me yeah like for for the location right because okay. jason and i uh for within the groove you know we were based in cincinnati and northern kentucky but you would come up here but we threw shows here in dayton because of the central location mm-hmm. it's the crossroads of america 70 and 75 intersect right here right. and then i'd also imagine maybe the cost to operate is probably a little bit lower here as well isn't it uh depends. i mean it depends Relative. okay yeah but um but yeah it, so that's been one thing that i've been really um excited about with with all the shows that we've been doing um, is that we're getting that that draw again? Gets getting people to travel again. Yeah, it's not that far of a travel, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Well, and even if you're coming from out of town, because like for the Sasha show, we had people from what, New York and Philly, New, York, Philly, New Jersey, Pittsburgh, Jersey, Chicago. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and I think the the crew from New York they flew in. Uh, I'm not. Did sure you never tagged up here. with them? No. Yeah. But I mean, but we're within an hour's drive to three if you want to say four even major airports mm-hmm. you know so you know just even traveling here is probably you know for those people in new york it might have been easier to see him here than it was in new york because he was just there like the weekend prior or something the night before the night before mm-hmm. yeah and you know i just saw that thought of this but we're like right on the cusp of autonomous vehicles like taking over we're in a really good position for that if you think about that like once that becomes economically oh god i can't sensible wait. yeah like people coming wait. up from cincinnati coming over from columbus and indy and well, just like willing all the way from st louis factoring yeah. factoring that into Dude, their the drinking price and driving getting, like yeah awesome <laughs> <laughs> finally what i always wanted <laughs> hold my beer hold my, watch this <laughs> But really, I think that yeah. will be good for for industries like this because right, right. that is a big concern. A lot, yeah. a lot of people will just not go out because they don't want to be forced with the decision of, "Am I going to drive home? Am I too buzzed for this? Maybe right. I should just avoid it altogether." Right. Yep, I agree. All right, Tony. So, what comes next? Um, all right. So, I guess next we're gonna we're gonna talk about artists and figuring out what artist that you would like to bring. Um, which is a little different today than it was back then. Um, back then, you hit the agent up, and it was, hey, I want this guy, and they say, okay, it's this much, and here you go. And they'd show up. Well, and, and, and most of the... Well, Depends right. on the artist. I'm not going to mention any names. I, I don't will. Want to, Terry Mullen. Yeah, was, yeah. <laughs> it rhymes with Terry Mullen. <laughs> but you know what? Terry Mullen had a really shitty agent at uh, one point. Like, I mean, like, really shitty. Like, so there were all these deposits that got taken. Terry never knew anything about it. He finds out through the grapevine he's got this really shitty reputation for, like, dumping gigs and, like, <laughs> and keeping the deposits. Like, you know, but... Anyway, um, no, but um, I think it's important to note that, like, um, back then it was all done on deposits. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, to Tony's point, you would you would call, you would research. Okay, you get an idea of who you want, 
you know, and and what your budget is, you know, roughly. And then when you call, you know, you find out these agents, you either emailed them, you called them, whatever. And then you say, this is the one that I want. And to Tony's point, then, yeah, they say whether or not they're available for the date you're trying to shoot for or date range you're trying to shoot for. And then they say, it's going to cost you this much. Here's X amount of dollars for the deposit. You owe the rest of it by the end of the show. You know, most of most of them work that yeah. way. Um, you know, then they would send over contracts and writers and all that, blah, 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 blah. Um, but, yeah, no, that's one of the major things that has definitely changed. About it's the changed game a this, lot. This and and I, I like I really haven't researched it, but I really want to say that it's due to what I call the Don King syndrome. Um, you know, Don King used to throw all these huge boxing matches Mm -hmm. and he would pay the boxers x amount of money and put 10 million dollars in his pocket when all the people are coming out to see the boxer you know the boxing match and they would get paid pennies on the dollar compared to what don king gets paid as the promoter to promote these fights Mm. so now when you're booking these artists you have to put in an offer but the offer is contingent on the agent wants to know everything about the event the capacity Mm -hmm. of the venue your ticket price um, they want to know the proposed run of show, the date of show. There, there's so much to it because if you have a, a venue that's 500 capacity and you're charging $20, you know, your potential is 10 grand. So you're not going to say, all right, I'm going to give this artist, I'm going to pay this artist $2,500 or that's what I'm going to offer this artist when you have a potential of making, you know, yeah. $7,500 more on top of that. It's not fair to the artist. You know, so you have to give them all these, you know, every scenario of the show, pretty much. All your overhead and everything. Yeah, yeah, your yep. your P and Ls and and you know your profit and losses, all all that stuff, and then. And date plays a factor here as well. That's a variable, right? Because you're going to pay a much different fee on a Thursday than you will a Saturday night. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. Um, so yeah, all those things are taken into consideration, and that's just. An offer. They'll let you know if the date's available. If the date's available, shoot us an offer. You know, and the offer. It's not just I'm going to offer you X amount of dollars. It's, you know, it's it's all those points that you have to hit with those X amount of dollars that you're offering. You know, and they take into consideration that you have hotel costs, you have uh, writer costs, you have venue fees, you have promotion fees, you have your local fee. You know, just all the fees, and they take all that into consideration you know, when accepting the offer. So you kind of have to bare your soul a little bit to to the the person that you're trying to, to bring in. Like, here's everything. I mean, that's very... Um, mm-hmm. it, I, mean, I would feel very exposed. Is you are, but you're, you're, you're building a serious trust and a really, really good relationship as long as you're transparent with the agent, you know, and you're... They, they know, you know, you're not going to go in there and flub a bunch of dollars to make it look like you're really spending that much because they know the typical costs of, yeah. of everything involved. Um, okay. You know, so that's kind of the next step. Well, and I, I would imagine that it, it gets easier um, to work with the same agents and agencies over and over and over again, especially if, you, you know, you get a run of a few good shows 
those headliners are talking to each other, those yeah. agents are talking to each other, you start to build a reputation with them. So then, you know, they're a lot more apt to work with you. Absolutely. Or, yeah. that's, that's how Sasha was obtained because Josh right. Wink had a blast, right. had a great time. We took real good care of him. He went back and he, you know, he told the agent and, you know, word traveled quick. And now it's, you wouldn't believe some of the names that were offered in our emails right now. Like, I'm not even believing it. Right, right. <laughs> you know? Right. So it, it goes a long way to be upfront, transparent, and honest with these agents and, you know, establish a good working relationship with them. Right. Yeah, I mean, if you if you own a construction company, for example, and you find one group of roofers and they kill it all the time, they're always fast, they never screw you on money, you have a good working relationship, they're going to go to that same roofing company over and over, over again and over every and over time. Again. Now, how flexible are they when it comes to their their price? Um, they're well. I mean, I, I'm sure you, there's a certain level you don't want to go below and, and be disrespectful, right? Well, there's. I mean, if I put an offer in for said artist, and I and in in my mind because I've never worked with that artist before, and I go in, let's just throw a, a number out there and say thirty five hundred dollars. Oh. They'll come back to me and they'll say, "This is the minimum that you have to hit." There's no way we can go below this number okay. right here. So, and is that typically all in? Like, are all in. Um, when we now all in is is <coughs> artist fee and flight. Okay, that's all in. Okay. So now it's so you not lodging. No, yeah, it's so not lodging. It's not writer. It's not. And, yeah. well, no, no travel. Like we always do all in deals. Well, I mean travel as far as like getting around the city and. Any, any, like, oh, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You say all in, ground. We call that ground. Right. Now that's the right. the term for it. So you have you have your 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 fee, which goes towards the artist and in the flight, and then you have ground, which is transportation from uh, from airport to hotel, hotel to club, club to hotel, hotel to airport, and out. Right. And then you have rider, which is their hospitality. Um, it, whatever they want to drink and all that stuff, rally, you know. Yeah. And then, if they also get a meal buyout, depending on the artist, fifty to a hundred dollars for a meal buyout. So, uh, an artist comes in with a tour manager, and you're paying two meal buyouts, mm. you know. And a lot of times, um, you know, if, if we take them to dinner, then we just pay for the dinner. Right. Sometimes we'll just hand them, you know, fifty bucks, and they'll stay in the hotel room, and they'll get room service or go to the hotel the hotel bar sure. restaurant and just stay in and eat. Or you can tell him, you know, a dude who can cook his ass off. Yeah. Yeah. What do you suggest local cuisine? Oh, there's this place called Smoky Moe's. <laughs> <laughs> Looks like a house, but really. <laughs> Don't let it fool you. Very quaint. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, getting into contracts, I mean, contracts have, you know, we've talked about contracts, you know, as far as being a DJ and the importance of having a contract or, you know, whatever. Um, or at least the debate of whether or not to have a contract. So when we're talking about these contracts that you're getting nowadays, I mean, I can remember some that, you know, um, some of them got a little a little wacky. You know, mm -hmm. I never saw any green M&Ms and, you know, counted out, you know, or whatever. Nothing nothing too crazy. But, you know, most of the, most of the stuff back in the day that I remembered was, you know, very specific tech writers. You know, and, and I mean, and that's understandable, mm -hmm. you know, but um, so what – so. What does a typical contract look like these days for these guys? If I can jump in real quick, that was one thing that was kind of like, 
I don't know if culture shock's the right word, but back in 2010, 2011, I brought in kind of a mid-level name, mm-hmm. and that was new to me. I wasn't used to working with like professional people with agents and stuff. Right. And so um, I got the writer back, and I my eyes like quadrupled in size. <laughs> And it, it was like, okay, we need like this one specific bottle of vodka with these specific mixers and this thing and that thing and this was. And I was like, whoa! I was just like, I, I just, just wanted him to play music. I was just throwing a little thing. I, you know, I I was like way overwhelmed by it. And right. but I actually went back to the person because I was in contact with this person directly. Gotcha. And I said, hey man, I'm in Dayton, Ohio. And at the time, we did not have three dimensional and volume and all these people killing right, it. Right. 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 I was like I I can't do all that, and he was like, oh oh oh, you got you got the uh, you got the, the big boy you writer, got, yeah, you got the tour writer from when I was he, he was touring with like a like a top ten okay. DJ. Yeah, yeah, he was like, yeah, all that's fine because it it said they needed like a, a an air conditioned yeah. um, oh, yeah. dressing room writer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Those 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 writers of contracts are abs- I don't want to say they're absurd, but. It, it, it's, it's, like, but it's, it's hard to fathom for people like us who have not, you know, really lived that life. Yeah, <laughs> but at the same time, there's when you learn more and more about the industry, and maybe you can shed some light on this, Tony. Y- you learn why a lot of those really seemingly picky writer requirements make sense mm-hmm. for touring DJs. So, yeah, but yeah uh, sorry to cut you off. No, what no, is no, the, uh, I mean, the typical writer? Like? A typical writer or a typical contract? I mean, contracts are you know, 10 pages long and every section, um, you know, I'll just go off of this one right here. You have uh, default notice and cure. You have warrants and representations. I mean, they're security and insurance and you're talking two pages of just that. Yeah. Cancellation like, clauses. Um, a lot of legalese. Yeah, yeah force exactly majeure. I was going to say some real straight up legalese, whereas before, like, I can remember there was like a header. <laughs> you agreed to book such yeah. and such on such and such a date at such and such a city, and it's, you, you know. need a case of Monster <laughs> and. Monster didn't even exist. And 12 then. Taco Bell, Taco Bell Supreme. Right. And then yeah. two tech 1200s Zimas. and blah, 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 and blah, blah, blah. And a two channel mixer. And a two channel mixer. <laughs> Exactly. Um, now there, it's it's super specific as far as writers, which I mean, I'm sure we all know because as as DJs, um, we feel comfortable with our our setup, our rig, the way that we like to play. You know, you're not going to get a band up on stage that doesn't have a drum set or the right guitar that he he or she likes to play on, or feel comfortable, or be able to perform properly right. without their proper instrument. You know, and as these DJs, obviously, you know, you have people that th- that think that, you know, we're not musicians or all we do is hit play. That's yeah, it's far as farthest from the truth. But everybody likes their setup specific, and especially these these DJs that have, you know, that are household names or they're as big as they are. You know, you have to meet every requirement that they ask for. Yeah. Every no-go. football field is a hundred yards. Yeah, or it's you know, a no-go. Yeah, right. every basketball goal is ten feet high. Right. So I imagine it's very much the same thing when they when they go to the stage, they want some familiarity, so they go up some there and they can rip it. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. And then I mean, I mean, you have some DJs that have specific mixers that there's just no possible way. I mean, 
the one person that we have coming up in August, there's just no way that this mixer is available around here. You know, I mean, even most states for that example, but I know that they're actually going to bring that mixer with them. I was going to say, but you could buy it and then return it. (laughs) (laughs) Don't take the stickers off. Um, And I mean, there's even Craze, you know, when we had Craze, Craze traveled with his own mixer. Right. Yeah. You know, but I mean, the the writers, they're they're very specific, the the tech writers. um, You know, I don't even really read through the small jargon of the contract because I know pretty much, you know, if... You're going to cancel the event. You have to cancel the event at a specific time. And even if you do cancel the event at a specific time, on our end as the promoter, you're not getting your deposit back. Yeah. You know, if the artist cancels within a specific time, you know, there's, there's either two options. They'll keep the money and give you a later date, or they'll give you your money back. And there's, I mean, there's, the small stipulation is, quote unquote, act of God, you mm-hmm. know, which is... Zombie apocalypse. Uh, yeah, right, right. Plane crash or right. severe illness or something, you know, something something of that nature. But you're, yeah. As far as like the hospitality mm-hmm. parts on the rider, um, I think that's where people get hung up, especially on the internet. When you see if like one gets leaked and then somebody posts it and they're like, oh, look, they want all the green M&Ms taken out or There's, whatever. They want their avion what, yeah, at 33 the, degrees. What's the craziest that you've seen? Um, the craziest... I would have to say is is and I'm, I don't really want to get into it, but Tiesto's is probably one of the craziest that I've really? seen. Um, it, candlelit rooms, really? Uh, yeah, rose petals, like yeah, uh, white candles. It's Shh. it's, it's ridiculous. I, yeah, I won't even go into that one. Um, <laughs> but the funniest one that I've ever seen is Twelfth Planet. <laughs> he wanted uh, uh, some grape Kool Aid. A pack of Magnum condoms. Wait, grape or purple Kool-Aid? Grape. <laughs> yeah. Grape Kool-Aid. A pack of Magnum condoms and some cool cigarettes. Wow. I mean, it's... He's got his whole but, night planned but, out. <laughs> but that, you know... Do we need to Steve like those Porter, names out? Or? Uh, Steve Porter, back in 2005, I booked Steve Porter, and he said, I don't care what I get as long as it's not octopus or squid-like things. You know mm. what I mean? So it's a, yeah. they kind of play. It's it's funny. Some of them are funny about it. Some of them are super serious. Yeah. Um, but I've also heard sometimes they do that just to make sure that the agents are paying attention. Right. You know, I this saw, is a quality control check. All I, I got to say is that if I ever get to that level, in bold print, it better say, there better not be any mayo on anything. <laughs> <laughs> you put um, mayo on a sandwich, you put mayo on Anything. French fries. There was, I mean, even Ooh. going back to uh, Craze, when we had Craze, there was something on his writer, and it was Jolly Ranch, so, like a bag of Jolly Ranchers, and I brought him to him, and he started laughing. He's like, man, I haven't even seen what my writer looks like in five years. <laughs> <laughs> he said, I appreciate it. You know, I'll take them. You know, it's cool. That's but, cool. you know, when you get those writers, we really don't purchase any of those things until the artist is in town. Mm. And then we talk to the artist and we say, hey, what off of your writer do you want or do you not want? You know, most of them are pretty cool about it. But yeah. some of them that travel with like a serious entourage, though, that's why they ask for all of, you know, four or five bottles of Jaeger and two bottles of Grey right. Goose. And they right. said, because there's the eight people within their party that need to eat and drink and be married. Well, and, and sometimes, you know? I mean, I'm, I'm sure what probably happens a lot is people will see something like that and be like, 
bag of Jolly Ranchers, really. Yeah. But it might actually be like, hey, I'm going to be up there for four hours. I don't drink when I'm up there, and I get dry mouth, exactly. and it's torture, and yeah. I can't carry around 12 bags of Jolly Ranchers when I'm touring around the country. You know? Right. I mean, and right. it's like, oh, okay, I guess I can kind of see where that comes in. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's uh, contract and writer. Um, I guess where we'll go from here is after we... We book the artist, the offer's approved, um, the confirmation email comes in, the contract comes in, we sign, send it off, then we get the press kit, um, which, you know, your electronic press kit comes with all their press shots, their photos, their logos, the branding. If it's a if it's a tour, they'll give you an, an ad mat, which is already a pre-done piece of artwork, mm. and you just plug in all of your local information, you know, the date, the club, um, your ticket price, your local acts that are on the flyer with them. So sometimes you'll get like a that part as a brand package for like a particular tour mm-hmm. that they're doing or something. If it's a named tour, for example. Yep. Gotcha. Um, and then we'll we'll take that press kit and we'll pass it off to our designer, uh, whoever's designing our flyer, um, which Matt Freeman does all of our stuff. Freeman Design Company. Um, Check him out. He's very good. Yeah, very, very, very good. good. Yeah. Matt does so hot right now. Yeah, he is. He's hot in the streets. Matt Freeman does really, really good work. Um, and then, then once the flyer gets to him, we send him all the information as well with the flyer. He sends it back to us. We send it to agent. Agent sends it to management for approval. So now we're in an email with agent, contract department, um, management, and marketing com- marketing uh, department. So I'm guessing this is where the C of emails part oh, comes in. That's what I was gonna say. Like, <laughs> like if, if nobody fast. Like, yeah, I was gonna say if nobody's been following up to this point, like this is where the rubber meets the road, right? <laughs> this is because, where the real shit happens. Yeah, I mean, like right. this is if you haven't realized how real that it is to throw a party, you know, by this point, this is where it. I mean, I mean. This is where it happens, like, because, you know, you've got, you know, people who are running these, you know, uh, these corporations, mm-hmm. you know, of artist management. And this is what they do for a living. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, once you're in this, like, you know, it's not it's not the same as like calling up 12 buddies and saying, hey, let's throw a house party. Right. Like, it's it's the real deal. now, And you have to take in consideration, too, when you see on the Internet that some of these guys charge the prices that they charge to DJ. It's not like said DJ, if, if he's $20,000, said DJ is not making $20,000. He's no. got his videographer, he's got his right. manager, mm-hmm. his agent that takes 10% off the top. Yeah, he's you know, got there's, costs as well. Yeah, tons of costs, you know. So by, you might as well chalk half of that, right? you know, to... They're job creators. Yeah, <laughs> right, absolutely. Stimulating the local economy. That's right. But just on the, the emails thing, you know, the... Mm-hmm. Um, Tony and I spend a lot of time during the day together because of passionate DJ and third dimensional and other things, you know, during typical office hours. And so I, I see a lot of that where Tony's just like, he's got his laptop on his lap, but he's sitting at his iMac and he's got his phone in one hand and he's like answering messages and emails on each one. <laughs> and I just see him put his free hand to his forehead and go, Ugh. and I know it has to do with something in the email thread or trying to keep track of it. So when all that's going on, what 
what kind of stuff are you doing in there? Are you because you've already locked the artist in and the fee by then? So what is it? Are you negotiating m- minor requirements or it's, what, what is I mean, it? it's 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 requirements. I mean, it, it could be a number of things. It could be even if the artist is already locked. I mean, when we did um, another trip around the sun and we had everything planned out and everything was going great, well, then all of a sudden the the name of the party and all the other aspects of the party may not have been copacetic with management you know mm-hmm. and this is where the agent the agent comes in and the agent has to you know knock everything out in their opinion before they take it to the artist you know what i mean so it's like i don't want to go to the artist and say a dozen times this and then this and then this and then this it's their job to cut everything off here you know, that yeah. they think is not going to be possible. Their job is or literally just to, get, to keep them from having to do that. Right, just yeah. to get all the description of everything, then I'll take it to them, you know. And when you're in with, like I said, an, an agent and a marketing company uh, or marketing department and management and, you know, and it's some sometimes it's not even just the agent, it's, you know, what we call the agent's paper pusher, you know, the agent's assistant that handles everything. So... It's it, it's a lot, and it's so many different, um, so many different attitudes and types of people that you're dealing with. Right. You know, so it's like this person may be cool with it. I mean, the artist may be cool with it, but the agent's not, or the management might be cool with it, but yeah. the artist isn't. You know what I mean? So it just has to pass through so many hands, and it may be cool one minute, but not the next. And when you're thinking that it's cool and they come back and say, oh, well, you're going to have to change this or you're going to have to make this person's name a little bigger and this person's name a little smaller, it's just like, damn it. Like, <laughs> you know? But it's, it's the nature of the game. Yeah, right it is. You know, And then you, have, then you have to go back to... Everybody's as picky about their brand as you are. Right. You go back to your designer and you say, hey, man, I hate to do this to you, but you have to change this. They don't like this. It's all these different, you know, um, types of people that you have to make everything copacetic with, and it's it's not mm. it's difficult. Well, and as the as the promoter, you're you're kind of positioning yourself to be the ultimate middleman in this situation, mm-hmm. right. and you're just you're facilitating all these hops between people. Right. Oh, this person, you know, three hops down the line, you know, this person's agent's brother's cousin's uncle thinks that there should be no right angles on the flyer so that comes back down the line and then you tell your business partner and whoever else is involved and the design person and then it has to go back down the chain the other way and and not to even you know i didn't even take that into consideration when i tell when i tell matt or i tell billy you know we 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 all just get frustrated and then we all just start button heads and you know in today's age when it, it instead of all picking up the phone and talking on the phone we all text message each other or email, and you can't really get emotion emotion through it. So everybody just gets pissed off, you know, because we like all read each other completely different. Each other. It's like, damn, <laughs> right, man, <right>. yeah, <laughs> you know. So yeah, um, I'm not screaming. My caps button is locked. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, like back in the day, you know, when we made the Ray Flyers, they it was completely different because man it was like the wild west that's exactly (laughs) the the analogy i was going to use that was definitely wild west i mean we would take cereal boxes you know laundry detergent 
I mean, uh, you you name it. If it was some kind of an existing brand weed uh, cleaning product, I remember the product. FedEx one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, cleaning products. I mean, it, the uh, copyright infringement nightmare. Yeah. Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, Ajax. In, in the in the yeah. groove actually started off as scrubbing bubble productions, mm-hmm. and like Jason actually has a set of headphones where the cups are the scrubbing bubbles. <laughs> so like, and awesome. that was our website, scrubbing bubbles productions. Like yada yada yada. The way it turned into in the groove was because you can't incorporate scrubbing bubbles <laughs> right. because it's a registered trademark. Like, yeah. so, Who'd um, have thought? <laughs> they, they actually, they actually protected that. Yeah. Um, but no, like, I mean, yeah, it was a, de- a totally different era where, like, you know, yeah, designers would just grab whatever they could and then whatever you know, clever you know thing that we all came up with. Yeah, wordplay. Yeah, yeah wordplay yeah. and, and imagery and all that stuff and just slap it together. Some were better at it than others, but um, they were yeah. super collectible too. Like there right. were things that you actually yeah. kept. I had a duffel bag full of them, and my brother, if he's listening to this, I'm still going to kill you one day over that. (laughs) (laughs) Use them all to wax his car or something? No, he lost them in a move. Uh He was like, yeah, I don't know how I missed it, man. I bet I got an idea. (laughs) I mean, back then, too. (laughs) Oh, I know. I know. In the 90s, we, we didn't have emails. Right. I mean, we did. We, we had, did, you know, we had AOL, but, yeah. but yeah, everything but was through phone, you know. Yeah. And yeah. so when the flyer, we still talk to each other. Back yeah, then. when the flyer was done and, <laughs> and, and, and printed, it was done and printed. You, there was no approval. Yeah. Uh-oh. You just had to make sure that the DJ had their, yeah, their name and and the, uh, the show times, the admission, and eighteen and up. <laughs> That's oh, all you need. Yeah, and the info line three five seven triple eight five nine. My ICQ. Oh, <laughs> I still remember it. Sorry, go ahead. No, that's all right. Um, yeah, no. Uh, so yeah, it, the the brave flyers and all that stuff. Yeah, I mean, super collectible. It was it it, it was it was a totally different time. It mm-hmm. was um, not to say that things today aren't as good. I mean, the things that we can do with you know visual imagery today are just fantastic. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, from your phone, right, yeah. right. I mean, you can do yeah. basic Photoshop from your phone, and then like all of these three D vectoring programs and all the stuff that's out there today. Like I've seen some flyers that just oh, man, amazing. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, it's it, it 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 is. It's 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 different. I wouldn't even say back then though. I would say it was more about the the tangible flyer as opposed to yeah, the, the, the image. physical copy versus a, a digital copy. Did, yeah. Right. I mean, there was, I mean, poster size that folded out eight times <laughs> or, you know, and just Little weird. Uh, yeah, they yeah. were uh, they were super, super cool and very, very creative. That's what we did with uh, another trip around the sun. Mm-hmm. You know, that's why we created the flyer, the yeah, open up flyer yeah. like that. That's Billy wanted to, you know, go Little old next step up, yeah. you know, instead of just a quarter page flyer or anything like that, which it turned out very, very, very well. You know, yeah. that's one thing too that I would I would highly recommend in any promotion is to spend that extra few dollars on a good designer. Um, just mm-hmm. don't go cheap on a cheap design because, especially in today's age, image is everything. Yeah. People yeah. have expectations. Right. Yes. Yeah. Um, so okay, so from the sea of emails, where mm-hmm. where do we go from there? Um, Does that bring us to the day of the event, or is there still more? No, there's there. I mean, we haven't even launched the event okay, on social okay. media yet. Okay. So <laughs> <laughs> so once once everything's approved, let's say we get the flyer back, the flyer's approved via the agency. You have a a, a launch date. Um, you know you. 
you get with um, well, you get with all of your your local DJs, your local uh, promoters and regional promoters that that you have your network with, and you let everybody know, hey, this is the time that we're launching. Here's the digital image. Um, please share once we announce. Please share. Um, you get all of your promoters involved, your street teams, um, everybody involved that's on team whatever. You know, let's say yeah. team three dimensional. Um, everybody that works with us, uh, we all put the show out together because what happens is we can put something out from three dimensional, but it's only going to reach so many people unless we do paid boosting. And even if we do paid boosting, it's still only going to target mm -hmm. so many people. But if we get everybody involved, you know, all of us involved, all of, you know, the Cincinnati crew, the Columbus crew and everybody that's, that's supporting it, then you start to get organic results. Yeah. And, and everybody sees it at the same time and you know, you get more results and better results that way. Yeah, we we've mentioned that on the show before where you kind of treat it as you treat it as a launch. You call mm -hmm. it a launch, even though it's your it's a digital announcement is what it is. Mm -hmm. But you treat the launch itself like its own event and you get everybody involved and you'll say, Hey, on the twenty eighth, we're announcing this at noon. Please share it if you're available. Right. And then you get that spike in the Facebook algorithm or wherever it's being shared to where you can, I don't want to say game the system, but you can get some better free results right. and organic results from doing that without having to do so much paid advertising because Facebook will see that immediate spike and that immediate engagement and all those people and the ways that they're connected to each other through all these different music things and it, right. it boosts it kind of for you. And it's also... Uh, it's just impressive from a psychological standpoint, I guess, when you you open Facebook and you're just bombarded by everybody's talking. Oh my God, look at this! Oh my God, look at this! <laughs> right, right. So that has its own cool effect, anyway. Absolutely, it does. So, so you create the launch, mm -hmm. and so where do we go from there? The um, launch happens. The launch happens. Um, you know, you gain your momentum with everybody that's on social media, and just keep in mind. Uh, people that are doing promotions, it's not all about social media. Um, so we go from there, Billy orders our tickets, our flyers and our posters and, you know, hitting the streets is just as important as yeah, your social amen, media. Amen. Amen. Yeah. yeah. Everybody just thinks, Hey, let's put an event up on, on Facebook or on Twitter and everybody knows about it. And no, that's not the case. I'm actually surprised to hear you say, not hear you say it, but to hear you equate it. Mm -hmm. So that, that's actually, I'm learning something there. I, I did not expect you yeah, to say Yeah, even that. Uh, we work with um, a guy here locally, Philly Phil, that does all the hip-hop shows. He, his social media outreach is, is very minuscule. That guy hits, if you go in downtown Dayton, downtown Dayton, stuff all over everywhere, yeah, posters right. on every pole, all the way from, you know, Kettering, to I was past say, I, Heights. I live in Fairborn and I saw one the other day yeah. that was for Devin the Dude. Probably Devin the Dude. Yeah. 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 And, and I, I mean like, even wow. even below those you go back and you'll see his Wu Tang poster if you take the Devin the yep. Dude poster down. <laughs> no, you know? that's what it was. It was it was the Wu Tang. Wu -Tang? Yeah, it's yeah. still I can't remember where maybe central but i saw it and i was like oh yeah yeah, yeah so just make sure that you home. guys you guys hit the streets all your local shops and your stores that allow you put posters up um some of them have cork boards you know you can tack your uh, in your kroger's or whatever the you know things stores, like that grocery stores shops, you know stores. anywhere college campuses as long as they allow you to to pass out because yeah, they have some sort of centralized uh pin board somewhere yeah Panera and if the bread. show if the show is big enough um you know contact your local newspaper 
um, because sometimes they will pick up this and, mm. and, and do a story on it. You know, I'm friends with the, the publisher and owner of the Dayton City Paper, and every time I have a show, I'll hit him up. And if it's a big enough show, he, he'll if it's interest, you know, then absolutely he'll do a story on it or whatever. Nice. And there's a lot of like. Um, uh, I don't know what they're called, but like, you know, city specific zines, you know, magazines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and like, like free entertainment. Yeah. Papers. Yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. like they're always free and, you know, in some like lobby somewhere. And, um, you know, when you, when you uh, reach out to those, a lot of those are really artist and music centric. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like you reach out to them, Hey, here's some more content, you know, for the show that I'm doing. You Sometimes know, the venue them, that you work with will already have their have own slot within yeah. there and yeah. they'll, you know, they'll take their weekly advertisement out to put your flyer okay, in. Right, right. So it yeah. depends on the venue that you work with. Um, I mean, I can't stress enough that absolutely hitting the streets is just as important as, as, as Facebook posting and things uh, like that. Hand-to-hand combat's what I love to call I'm, it. I'm so, so happy for, to hear forgotten you Forgotten art. Yeah, mm-hmm. because, like, in the last 10 years of Facebook, you know, and, and MySpace and all of those, you know, the, the whole... Uh, evolution of of social media like it, that that's definitely been a forgotten art it, it made people lazy in that regard do you, do you still do literal street team stuff like oh, yeah. get get a couple of attractive bubbly people that like to talk and, and give them you have there's and, there's you know there's kids all over the city that just want to be a part of the party and understand that these parties don't make a lot of money mm-hmm. unless you're really doing something big or you have a big backer behind you and you know you're doing a massive massive event that's going to you know equate to a lot of dollars and you have the budget to pay people like that you know some yeah, people there, don't even think that far into it. No, some they'll do just it for a, get, they want get a free in. ticket. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they'll do it for a free ticket. They'll you know. And there's sometimes what we'll do is even those promoters will have them, you know, come in and do merch or help us with, you know, mm. certain things to where we can we can actually pay them for, okay. to do merch, they sell merch, whatever. But a lot of people do it to be a part of the show. To get in free, to, you know, experience everything and you know, because at the end of the day, these shows don't pay a lot of money. They really, really don't. You know, it's this is not a full time job for mm-hmm. me. It is in the hour, but not in the dollar sense. Right. You know, right. Um, it's a, it's a hustle. Yeah, it is. It's a it's a huge hustle. Um, yeah, that's pretty much the nuts and bolts of of how we go about throwing a show or promoting an event. Um, you know, day of event comes, and that's a whole other story. You know, for another time. But okay. That's that's the promotion aspect, and that's how we go about booking an artist, bringing them to town, and you know, getting it, getting, out, getting the, the word, word out, out to yeah. everybody. And okay, so yeah. how does how does that differ if you take if you scale this to a festival level? So you're you're booking <laughs> five to one hundred artists. I have no idea. However many artists that you have to book, mm-hmm. I mean, so we scale it to that level. What other considerations do you have there? Weather um, being one. <laughs> yeah, weather definitely weather insurance. Um, man, festivals are, are a whole other monster when it comes to even booking an artist. Um, Oh, the money's different. The the money's different. The way you go about booking the artist is completely different. I don't want to say it's completely different, but you know, you you go to a big artist, and that um, you you put what's what's called a binder on an artist, and that's just really going to the agent and giving them a lump sum of money before they even take it to the artist. And you wire that money to the agency and the agency 
then takes it to the artist, and the artist has the option again to say, we will accept or we won't accept. And it could take two weeks, three weeks, four weeks. And if you're oh, talking oh. an artist that's like, you know, fifty to a hundred thousand dollars because that's what they charge for some of these big festivals, then you're that money's tied up for four weeks and so you might take five figures worth of money and essentially put it in escrow for an artist exactly. that you're not sure that you've got locked down, exactly. which means that that's the really the only thing that you can work on at that time unless you've got a huge budget to work on. Yeah, exactly. exactly. If you don't have a whole lot of money in that and you're putting all your eggs in that one That's basket. Scary. And it's 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 scary, but it also weeds out It's probably all, more frustrating cuz you can only do one thing at a time then. Right. And it, it but it weeds out all of the, you know, people that you know, think they're going to throw a festival when they really don't have the know-how because if you don't have that money, Rule, that kind of capital. Yeah, you know, and it's 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 protection on the agency's part too. You know, they're not going to go to their artist and say, "Hey, such and such has a hundred thousand dollars. Do you want to accept this offer or not?" And if he does accept it, then they come back and you know, the talent buyer doesn't have the money. Then the agent looks like an asshole to the artist. Mm. You know, so it's just protection and then he just on them. Passed up on some real dates, right? right. Absolutely. While you're in the middle of that, yeah. And that's that's mainly for a, a first year. Yeah, you know? they they're always asking for a hundred percent up front. So and there, there's a lot of things when it comes to to festivals. You know, they want to know if you have sponsors, how much money you have in sponsorship, and they'll, mm-hmm. you know, they'll they'll take back end deals where okay, we're going to charge you a flat fee of forty thousand dollars, and after five thousand people walks to your door, we're going to take a ticket rip of four dollars of every ticket after five thousand people, or we're going to you know, we're going to audit your box office and we're going to take, you know, we're going to do a split of 70-30. So they're going to take 30% of every ticket after break-even point. You know what I mean? It's Because, yeah. it's, again, if you if you pay a lump sum to an artist, whether it be, fit, let's just say $50,000, and $200,000 comes in off ticket fees because you have all these sponsors that are paying you know sponsorship fees and now your costs are next to nothing so you're walking in, you're walking out with 150,000 yeah, as soon as you open the gates that's all money right exactly you know and now again the artist loses out right and the promoter wins you know i don't want to say the artist loses cuz the artist still getting a, a pretty big chunk but those people are coming to see They've that artist. Really applied some some serious business mathematics Absolutely, in they order have. to maximize the uh, uh, the value of, of the artist, so mm-hmm. that the artist is actually you know walking away with more. Now that ends up hurting the promoter in the end because I mean, you know, the promoter is doing most of the legwork and all and putting in all the elbow grease, you know, to really coordinate all of these different people over how much time. as they should though. Right? No, I'm not. I'm and not, not to mention risk. <laughs> right, but you know, at the end of the day, you know. It, you know they're cutting into what could potentially be your profit. You know, like I don't know. It's it, it's it's a it's a dirty game, y'all. It well, is. It's, it's <laughs> kind of. I mean, it, you can kind of tell already. It, it's it's like dealing with the big corporate company versus right. the mom and pop shop. Right. You know, right. it's it's the same. You just scale it up, and you've got people who are very very. 100% business minded mm-hmm. and this is how we're maximizing profits and this is what we're doing for the shareholders when you right. when you start getting into all that yep. you've you've got to have a professional mindset Absolutely. and some experience going in because you're you're just going to get screwed if you don't mm-hmm. right. and hopefully it sheds some light on you know a lot of the a lot of the patrons that go to these festivals and see oh man this promoter must have made 
a shit ton of money when that's really not, not the, the case, case all the time. You know, yeah. it, it's really not. There's so much grunt work and back end work that, you know, the festival go- the festival goers don't see because they're there to have a good time during the festival right. or the show, whatever the promotion or whatever the event is that you're doing. It's not, you know, it's it's not always. Even if we have a smile on our face, it doesn't mean that at the end of the night we're not smacking ourselves in the forehead and reaching in our pockets to pull out lint. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so it's not over after the show either. No. Yeah. Right. So speaking of smacking your forehead after a show, uh, do you guys have any tips on uh, just like quick fire tips on how to handle uh, when when shit goes bad as just a promoter? Stay professional. Like it's so easy for um, anybody on either side of the table to really lose their cool, especially when you're talking about. Money. money like real money like i mean we're not talking about you know a couple nickels and dimes we're talking i mean even a small scale show could be a few thousand dollars um to your bigger shows that could be hundreds of thousands of dollars and when people are losing real money that's affecting their income or their ability to continue doing business it's an emotional situation yeah, yeah. so just always respect the the situation from all sides you know you it, of course you're in a hot seat or if it's if it's something that's going to negatively affect you but you also have to look at the other side of the table and understand that person's going to be in a bad spot too so by staying professional and being respectful you know then you're in a better position to you know come to a, a an amicable agreement and yeah. and and be able to walk away with it with some kind of a productive uh, at least a productive conversation, even if there is no productive outcome, you know. And by the way, <clears throat> just assume that you're always being live streamed. <laughs> it's pretty safe. If that doesn't help put some perspective on it for you. Right, right. <laughs> Smile and sometimes the nod is is a good acceptance hmm. as opposed to the dollar. All right, that's going to wrap it up. Now we've talked a lot about kind of larger scale promotions if you guys want to learn a little bit more about uh this really small town local kind of show aspect you can check out episodes three four and nine we talk about that quite a bit early on in the in the series they can feel free to email me if they want as well all right send tony an email tony at passionatedj.com if you have any uh promotional questions and we will see you guys next week on the passionate dj podcast peace Thanks for listening to the Passionate DJ Podcast at www.passionatedj.com. Check out the fan page at facebook.com slash passionatedj or on Twitter at DJ with Passion. And always remember to keep on spinning. I need you. I want you. Sure. Oh, mm-hmm. oh, well, it was a little loud. I was all like, I need to find a different place for that. <laughs> oh, yeah, Mel said you can cut the grass tomorrow. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for clearing that. You're welcome. Yeah. I love you like a brother. Do you mind to play the voice, man? Oh, yep. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we were waiting on you, Trip. Not you know for what? nothing, but can you press play, you fucking Not asshole? You fucking fuck. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fucking Gavoon. <laughs> yeah, you got your fucking play button right fucking here. Fucking guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>